Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Well, this morning um, I want to speak to you about uh, interpreting the message. Um, interpreting the message. And uh, it, it was a funny morning, actually, this morning. Uh, we have a prayer meeting that starts, uh, uh, you know, in the morning at uh, 9.20 a.m. And this morning in our prayer meeting, there was a number of people that prayed that really just completely lined up with where my message is going today. And I've got to tell you, that's a great comfort. You know, when you come to church, you've prepared something. And then a lot of people have words that actually relate directly to what you're talking about. Feel like maybe I heard something from God, which is pretty much what I'm talking about today. So um, I'm going to, uh, let, me, let me start by telling you this. When, you know, when Sarah and I, when we decided that we were going to get married, our pastors at the time said that we should go and uh, get some pre-marriage counselling and so forth. I think they thought Sarah had some problems. and so No, no, that's not true. That's not true. So, so they said, hey, get some pre-marriage uh, uh, counselling. So we said, all right, that's great. So what you do, if you've, done, if you've gone through the process, you sit down and you fill out about 3,000 questions. And, uh, you know, you, you fill it out and uh, then they spit out the results and then they, they come back. feels like 3,000 questions, probably only 100. But, you know, anyway, it spits out the results. And it comes back and it tells you where you're compatible and it tells you about some potential issues that you may have uh, that you haven't discussed, you know. So anyway, he spits out the results. They said, hey guys, come in, sit down, we'll have a talk together. So we sat down with uh, my pastors and they said, look, to be honest, you guys did really, really well. In fact, you're compatible in almost every single area. But uh, there was one thing that came up where you guys just see things differently. I said, oh, okay. And they said, um, well, Sarah has indicated that uh, she doesn't want to work outside the home. Uh, she doesn't want to do that. And I thought, oh, that's, that's odd. They said, Ben, you answered that you'd be really happy and encourage Sarah to work outside the home. And I thought, of course, you know, I mean, my wife, she's gone to uni. You studied for four years. She became a teacher and she loves to teach. And I thought, well, of course I'm happy for her to work outside the home. I'm going to encourage her to do so. And uh, so I, I'm wondering, you know, what's the issue? I thought, oh, great, we're going to get married. Then she says, I'm not working anymore. Like, I just don't want to do it. So, okay, well, we better talk about this. So my pastors turned to Sarah and they said to her, Sarah, you know, maybe you could just enlighten us. Why is it that uh, you don't want to work outside the home? And she said, well, to be honest... She said, I kind of feel like the outside is Ben's area. I'm, I don't want to mow the grass. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not a lawn mowing kind of person. Uh, you know, so when it comes to digging it, I don't like to dig. Uh, I'm not going to get in the garden and get my hands dirty. And I'm looking at her like, what are you on about? What are you talking about? And I look at my pastors for confirmation and they're looking at me like, what is she talking about? I'm like, don't look at me. I have no idea. You know, and so we look back at her and we say to her, what are you talking about? Like, this, this question is sort of saying, like, are you happy to go to uni? She goes, oh, I thought it was asking me if I wanted to work in the garden, like outside the home. You know, not inside the home, outside the home. I said, oh my gosh, you know. And, uh, you know, after, after that, of course, we got on the same page, which was great. But, uh, you know, she interpreted the question wrongly. And uh, came to a completely uh, different outcome, you know. It came to some, it just came to a different uh, 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 answer, I guess. 
I used to work in recruitment and um, I would post jobs online and I worked in the accounting space. Most of my candidates that would apply for jobs were from overseas and, and when they would come in and I would interview them, honestly, I had to learn another language. I had to learn broken English and I mean that legitimately because when people came in, um, if they were from overseas, sometimes I'm sitting there trying to interview a person who on paper has great skills. I just couldn't understand anything that they said. And because I did that job for about three years, I mean this sincerely, I began to get really good English Second, or broken English became my second language, you know, and I could sit there and, and understand them really clearly because I sat and spoke to enough people from overseas where English wasn't their first language. Now, they may have had all the skills in the world, but unless I could understand them, unless I interpreted right what they were saying, then the, really the interview couldn't really go anywhere. Same thing with my kids, you know, as my kids grew up, you know, they would speak gibberish and, you know, at family events and that, my kids would be talking you know saying something and then the rest of the family they sort of look at you and they're like oh they're hungry you know because you don't understand my son Judah he used to say this word praba it was his favorite word still don't know what it means but it's etched into my brain because yeah, nearly everything was praba do you know what it's like to have an argument with a you know one-year-old child who's saying praba and they're looking at you like I just don't understand like I have no idea what you're saying right I think in the end praba meant that he was hungry but I'm trying to interpret it I can't understand it my point is simple Simply this, it's so important to interpret things correctly. If you don't interpret the message correctly, if you don't interpret what people are saying correctly, and if you don't interpret what God is saying, then you can get confused. You end up living a life that maybe you don't want to live. I want to begin by looking at a scripture this morning. It comes out of Galatians, and this is what it says in Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. It says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Every promise begins in spirit. Every promise begins in spirit. You think about it, if God comes and says anything to you about your future and you're waiting for something to drop, it's a promise. It's something that hasn't happened yet. And every promise that God gives you, it begins with the spirit. You just have to wait on it sometimes. And to be honest, I've seen a, a, a lot of people begin clear in life and they end kind of blurry. They've begun to be really clear about what God has said and they've set out maybe on a journey. Maybe it's about getting a new job. Maybe it's about, you know, some kind of big life change. But they began clear and they ended blurry. See, sometimes what happens is you begin clear. You set out on the journey. And then what happens is your circumstances don't seem to line up with what you heard in the Spirit. 
You, the promise that you heard, it's, it, it's waiting. Sometimes you're waiting for so long. I cannot be the only person that has thought from time to time that God would really benefit from wearing a wristwatch. Because I think to myself, God, you're late. You, you, you haven't responded. And I don't know if you're aware of my situation or my circumstance. I need you now. And what happens is, is that when we're waiting for a long time, now circumstances seem to indicate, hey, maybe God's forgotten. You know what we can do sometimes? We can end up stepping in to try to make something happen. And when you step in to make something happen, do you know what really does happen is you get in the way of your own promise. You actually can get in the way of the thing that God is trying to do by trying to make it happen yourself. And it's not your circumstances that are the biggest problem. The truth is you become your biggest problem. It's the way that you think. It's the way that you're acting. It's your actions. It's your behaviors. You become your biggest problem. The word guidance is used in Proverbs four times. And the original word in the Hebrew, it actually means steerage. And steerage is a, it's like a navy term. And uh, when you get on the boat back, you know, uh, in biblical time, you know, they're, they're steering the boat, they're pulling strings to set the sails. And it's about pulling the right strings to adjust the sails so that you can catch the wind and it takes you off on your journey. So the word guidance is actually pulling the right strings to catch that, that you know, that wind. And, uh, you know, I, I was down um, with... Sarah and the kids, we went down to St. Kilda uh, not too long ago. And you know what I saw? I saw people doing kite surfing. Have you seen that? That is awesome. I'm serious. I want to go kite surfing. I'm watching these people. They're going out of the air like 20 feet, like landing softly, and they can just go everywhere. And I'm like, that is unbelievable. Something that I want to do. And as I'm watching these people um, catch the wind, you know, I see the most bizarre thing ever. I'm seeing most people are sort of going one way, right? But some of them have learnt to go in a different direction. And I'm not like a Navy guy. I'm not, you know, into boats and I'm, I'm certainly not a sailor. So uh, someone's going to say, oh, I know how that works, right? But as far as I'm concerned, if the wind is going one direction, that's the direction that you go. Because you have to go wherever the wind is taking you, right? But some people have learned how to actually steer their, their, their kite and everyone's going one way and they're going the other way. And I have found that when you begin to follow God and you learn to lean into his spirit and let him actually guide you, that he can adjust your sails and teach you how to adjust everything in your life. Everyone's going one way. You're smoothly sailing the opposite direction. How are you able to do that? It's because you're leaning into the presence of God. You're leaning into the spirit of God. You're allowing him to actually steer you and take you the right way. I've seen lots of people in life who have tried to steer and navigate tough seasons and they've began well, but it, you know, it kind of ended badly. You know, it's like when people decide that they're going to get married, they come and they stand at the altar and uh, they say, till death do us part. Uh, you know, in, in sickness and health, for better or worse, richer or poorer, whatever happens in life, Hey, I want you to know that I'm really committed to you and, and uh, we're going to do this. No matter what happens in life, we're doing this together. But then we know that there's lots of people after that moment that go and get divorced. Now, if you are divorced, I don't know your situation or your circumstance. Certainly don't want anyone to feel guilty about that today. But let's just acknowledge that it actually happens. 
All, the point I'm simply trying to make is that people, they begin with the idea that they're going to make it through thick and thin. And actually life gets in the way and sometimes people get in the way. And even though they had the best intentions, it didn't end exactly like it would hope. Paul is saying the same things to these guys. He's saying, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You began something in the spirit, but what are you doing now? And what's happening is the Galatians, they're they're starting to try to do stuff in their flesh. In other words, they're becoming works-based. You know, we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. We're all saved by grace. So you can work real hard at it, right? But you're saved by grace anyway. And what they're really saying is, I can do it. Let me tell you something. Don't ever try to do it on your own. Don't try to do it on your own. I, I, I... this happens pretty regularly, but I was in the car with Sarah and we, we go down to Chernside Park Shopping Centre and uh, as Sarah likes to drive, you know, so uh, she's in the car and she's driving and we start to pull into the car park. Now I'm comfortable with the dimensions of our car, but I'm very uncomfortable with the dimensions of the car park. And as Sarah starts to pull into the car park, right, do you know how many times I... On the tip of my tongue, I'm gonna, I just want to say, you're going to crash. Like, and, and, and I feel the tension and the anxiousness and I'm looking. And you know like when you are really getting nervous and you raise your eyebrows like, it's going to happen. And I'm sort of leaning over that and, and I'm just waiting for us to sort of scrape the side. And, and, and you know, the truth is at that moment, you know what I really want to do if I was to give in? I would just reach across, grab that thing and say, come on, let me do it. I, I, I want to help you because you look like you're going to crash. Now, the truth is she never crashes. But me, I want to wrestle control of the steering wheel because I'm afraid that she is going to crash. And you know what? When you think your life is going to crash, you can have the tendency to wrestle your life back from God to try to take control of where you're going. And I'm telling you, if God has authored something in the Spirit, you are better off just sitting back in the passenger seat and letting God drive your life. Just let Him drive your life. You try to wrestle for control, it's one of the worst things that you can possibly do. If it begins in the Spirit, don't try to then go ahead and author something in the flesh. Don't try to go ahead and just make it happen yourself. I want to do a quick interview, if that's all right with you guys this morning. I have a good friend of mine here this morning. His name is Keith Townend. Would you guys welcome Keith as he comes this morning? So what happened recently, and you guys would be, many of you would be aware of this, is that uh, Keith was, um, has been on staff here at Activate for, uh, uh, for a number of years now. And uh, at the beginning of this year, we made a decision for Keith to step back from the role that he was in. So um, I, I just wanted to speak with Keith and, and speak with all of you uh, this morning. And Keith, I'm just wondering if you could begin. Could you just tell us why initially you stepped back from your role in the first place? Yeah, sure. <coughs> Excuse me. It was over uh, the Christmas break. I was spending time praying and thinking about the new year that was coming and asking God what direction do we need to take, particularly from the administration finance point of view, which I was responsible for. And God said to me very clearly that I needed to give up my full-time role, that as we moved as a church into this new year, we were to focus on ministry, to focus on reaching into our community. And the way God put it to me was the time to be focused on administration and finance that was for three years has now gone and we need to focus on other things. So I needed to step out of my role 
uh, uh, permanently and use that money for other ministry type initiatives. So you you heard from God, you felt very comfortable with that. Can you tell me after you heard from God? Obviously, we had a conversation and uh, and uh, we we decided to move forwards. Um, you know, and what what were the circumstances that followed immediately um, after we had made that decision? Okay, so we made a decision and I obviously started looking for work. Um, so I needed to uh, step out of the role and I understood all the implications that went with that with someone uh, in their young, in their mid-50s looking for work. It was always going to be a challenge for the world, not for me. Um, and so I started looking for work um, and we, I spoke to Ben. I was clear that um, God said I need to step out full time but as we processed that there was lots of things that needed to happen there was lots of administration things that happened every day that I was doing that meant Ben didn't have to do them um, obviously I was getting income from the church so that paid all my bills so um, so what we did is I uh, I, we did st- I stepped out of the role full time and started working just two days a week for the church um, and so that meant that we were still able to do the jobs on the two days I was here that needed to get done and also it meant that I was getting some income which made me feel a bit comfortable as well. How many jobs roughly would you have said that you applied for? Um, I probably looked, I, I was particular, I knew what my strengths were and what I was capable of. I probably looked through a couple of thousand jobs in the six months, but I applied for around about a hundred actual jobs that I believed I could do with my hands tied behind my back. As you were applying for the jobs, like honestly, if you, if you can be this morning, how did you actually feel in that moment? You're applying for jobs, sometimes you're not hearing back, you know, how did you feel about that moment? Um... It was very mixed emotions. There were some times when I'd apply for a job and I'd go, this is just perfectly me. Everything they want, I've done a thousand times over. I'd be perfect for this. And I felt excited about some of those jobs. But then I never heard back. I would say out of the, um, the hundred jobs I actually applied for, I probably only heard back on three out of that whole hundred. Um, and so it was very demotivating because everyone kept saying to me, it's not about you, don't take it personally. But when you don't even hear back and you thought you were suited, you do start to, well, I certainly started to take it personally. And so then I started to doubt, I guess, and say, maybe I didn't hear God right. Or, you know, maybe there were things that God I was meant to do or... Maybe God's punishing me because I've done some things wrong. So I confessed everything I could ever think I've ever done wrong. Even things I might do wrong in the future, I confessed them all because I didn't want to leave any gap that maybe God wouldn't respond to me and, and lead me through. So sometimes it felt very lonely because I was applying. I knew that my future depended on my family's future. Bills keep coming in whether you're earning income or not. Um, so all those things apply. And so sometimes I felt really quite low thinking, God, where are you? Why have you abandoned me? It feels like you've just turned your back you asked me to do this thing and I've done it and now you've just turned your back on me and you don't I can't even hear from you and then there are other times people would come alongside me and say look I was praying for you this week and God said this or God said that so I was really encouraged sometimes as well by what people were um, the people were supporting us through that time it's a tough thing when you feel like God has called you to do something and then you try to work it through it and your circumstances are just not working out the way that you thought God was going to move, you know. And I think it's really easy to get into that situation and to doubt. So um, last month I, I was praying and of course Keith, just, as you mentioned, that we're keeping him on two days a week because to be honest, as a board, we sat around and we said, hey, I'm concerned, I want this guy to continue to be able to pay his bills and we want to honour him for the man that he is and everything that he's done and so you know every week two days you know every month we extend it out another two days a, a week and so forth so last month I'm, I'm praying 
And I hear God say to me that basically we just have to uh, cut those last two days. And this is what he said. He said, you know, in the beginning, we said, uh, God said to, to us that Keith is to cease working here and then go get full-time employment. And to be honest, I, I didn't want to be the person who was obviously being continued to be employed, sitting in a room saying, that's all right, mate, I've got faith for you. Uh, I believe you'll get a job uh, we're just going to cease your employment. So I, I really struggled with that. I was kind of afraid, you know, in some sense that Keith wasn't going to get uh, work and then I would feel bad about that. You know what I started doing? I started making fear-based decisions, you know, and I was making fear that it's sometimes it's easier to have faith for your own life and I'm making fear-based decisions because I'm concerned about my friend. So anyway, um, <clears throat> God says to me, look, I want you to um, just completely take away the safety net. So, okay, so next board meeting, come in and I said, uh, guys, I said, I think that we need to just completely remove those last two days. And I'd already spoken to Keith and knew that he was okay about it. I said, I feel like I've heard from God on this and we're just going to move forwards. And, we, and the board agreed and they said, yeah, you know what, you're right. We need to cease uh, those last two days and go back to what God said six months ago remove the safety net. After that, it's all on God. We just have to completely rely on him that he's going to come through. So uh, we made that decision and uh, your last um, two days salary that came through was the second two weeks into June. Can you tell us what happened immediately after that? Uh, yeah, I, I need to just say that um, that decision that the board made didn't come as a surprise to me because all along God made it clear that I needed to find a full-time job and just volunteer at the church, which was fine. And despite when I said I had ups and downs, there was this built-in peace in me that if God had called me to that point, if God had said that, that somewhere he had the answer. I guess I was just a bit frustrated that it took so long and sometimes it felt like I was banging my head on a brick wall. But all, all that said... Um, so, so the board made that decision on the Sunday, and then I think it was um, the few, yeah, a few days after that I applied for a job. Um, this was the end of May. I applied for a job, and uh, they rang me up and said I'd like to have an interview, which I'd only had one other interview in six months. I was pretty excited by that. So I fronted up to this interview, and the job wasn't initially what I thought it was. was. It was sort of just an administration job, and so I sat down and talked to the lady. Um, and then she said, well, look, I'd like you to come back for a second interview So um, with, the, with the owners of this particular business. So that was great, so I went back to them. And as it developed and I spoke to them, by the time I'd finished that interview, they said, look, we actually think this will be a general manager's job and not an administration job because we realise talking to you there's so much that we haven't been doing we need to do, so we're actually going to change a job. Would you still be interested? I said, oh, yes, I would. He said, well, we've got another person to interview, so that was fine. So I went away, um, and then... Uh, it was a long wait, but I think it was about three days. They then rang me back and said, look, come in for this final interview, but we want you to present to us a whole plan of what you're going to do in your first six months, which was a bit daunting for me because I hadn't got a position description. I'd only had an hour conversation with them, but I did this presentation. And then last uh, Tuesday, they rang up and offered me the job. So, Isn't that awesome? You can grab a seat.
I wanted to share that story because I think it's such a, a, a great story that illustrates um, exactly what we're talking about this morning. And you can think that God is leading you on a path. And, you know, that, that, the first job, the first role that he went for uh, uh, was like an administrative function. The job that he ended up getting was the GM's role, uh, one role that didn't even exist. Six months he's waiting for that um, you know, door to be open for that job to come. Doesn't come. You can't, can't seem to make it work, right? And the moment that we removed the safety net and said, God, it's all on you, instantly he gets a job that wasn't even advertised. It didn't even exist. It was literally created in the interview. There's something to be said about trusting God. Listen, here's, guys, this is what we've got to do. You've got to listen to what God is saying over your life. If he authors something in the Spirit, you've just got to go with it. And I know sometimes what it means is that you remove the safety nets, and sometimes that can let all kinds of you know, concerns and worries sort of creep into your heart. But if you misinterpret it, if you allow your circumstances to dictate to you, and to, you know, like sometimes you let your circumstances reinterpret the words that God said to you originally, and then you end up in a place that you don't want to be at, you just can't live like that. You can't can't try to author your own victory. You just have to listen to what God said. If He begun it in the Spirit, He's going to complete it in the Spirit. If He begun it in the Spirit, you can't go ahead and then try to author it in the flesh. It is absolutely pointless trying to accomplish what only God can do in your life. Just pointless. You can try every which way. You can apply for a hundred jobs, read a thousand, not be successful, listen to what God says, honour His Word, and then suddenly the door opens and you get that breakthrough. And you know where it begins? It all begins with hearing. It begins with hearing. It begins with listening to God, hearing what He wants to say to you. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, there was... Um, uh, you know, you would, you would listen to God and there was a decision set before you. If you obey Him, blessing. If you disobey Him, then you get curses in your life. And I love that, you know, in the New Testament, we don't live like that anymore, do we? You know, even if you disobey, disobey God, you don't immediately come under a curse. You know, you are, you are a child of God. We've received forgiveness for our sins through our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, we are positioned to be blessed by fact that we're actually just one of God's children. So I love that. But you know what? Can I tell you, we're still supposed to obey God. Let me, let me read this scripture to you. It says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We love God so, and we believe in him and we put our faith in him. So as a direct result of our love for him, we obey him. That's why we obey. You don't live a life where you avoid disobedience or, or, or where you be obedient, sorry, to avoid curses. There are two ways that you can live life. You don't obey God to avoid curses. You obey God because you love Him. If you try to live a life where you obey God simply to avoid the curse, you end up living a life that you don't, your life is built on things you're always trying to avoid. Oh, I don't want to do that because it's not going to work out for me. That's a very different way to living your life and just saying, God, I love you. I want the best and I want to do everything you've asked me to do because I love you. Not because I'm trying to avoid anything sort of necessarily. You can't obey what you haven't heard. It begins with hearing. You've got to listen to what God says in the first place and interpret it in the right way. I want to tell you there are a number of different ways 
that, that will prevent you from being able to hear God. And I want to just talk about three ways or three things that will prevent you from hearing God. Number one is unresolved sin. If you've got unresolved sin in your life, it creates a spiritual blockage. It really does. You know, one of the words that, that you, you don't always hear so much is this word called repentance. And repentance means I'm going to stop going this way, whichever way you're headed, and I'm going to turn and I'm going to follow Christ. Repentance means to turn and follow Him. But do you know I see and have met uh, Christian people that love God and have tried to receive Him as Lord and Saviour, but they don't live a repentant lifestyle. They're actually trying to go in two directions. They love God, receive Him as Lord and Saviour, but continue to pursue paths in their life that they know are destructive, that they know are not going to help, and always asking God for forgiveness. And when unresolved sin gets in their life, it sort of mixes up the message. I'm trying to say to you, if there's something that you know is wrong in your life and you're just tolerating its existence, it will get in the way of your hearing God. So the best thing that you can do is wherever you are today, even if you're off by a couple of degrees, it's very simple. Repent, which means to correct, acknowledge it. I'm sorry for the path that I've taken. Acknowledge it before God, ask for forgiveness from your Saviour Jesus, and then simply turn to face Him and then say, I'm going this way. It's easy in life as you're going to get distracted When you live a lifestyle of repentance, you keep correcting the course and then you keep following God. That is what it means to live a sacrificial life. Anyway, that's the first one. Unresolved sin. You've got to make sure you settle it in your heart and in your spirit. The second thing that will prevent you from hearing God is presumption. Do you know how many people I've met that when a door is open in front of them, they just assume it's from God? Can I tell you this morning that God is not the only person that will open doors in your life? And if you go ahead and presume that the open door is there, God must have done it, and you step into that, you may find yourself stepping into a future that you don't really want because it was never God that opened the door in the first place. Many years ago, Sarah and I had the opportunity to go over to Perth and to pastor a church over there. And to be honest, I wasn't even in ministry at the time. And, you know, all these things suddenly started aligning. And I spoke to this guy over there and he said, he said to me, I've heard from God. And I think what you need to do is sell your house, sell everything that you've got. Come and live with me and my family. He said, I'm an evangelist. I'll take you all across Perth. And then you guys can go pastor a church in Bunbury. So I prayed about it. And to be honest, I felt so uncomfortable in my spirit. I just said, nah, I said, we can't do this. I spoke to Sarah. She felt uncomfortable about it too. And even though the doors were opening, there was an opportunity for us to step into it. How foolish would it be for me to presume that because there's a door, I should necessarily walk through it? So as a direct result, we actually said no. And we walked away from a door that was open to pursue what we felt was God's call on our life. And as a result of that, I ended up immediately after that coming on staff. And eventually, obviously, I'm pastoring Activate Church now. And I believe that the, the life that I'm living right now was the plan all along. But man, I feel like I could have messed it up had I stepped through that door and just presumed that because it was open, I should go there. That would have got in the way of me hearing God because I shut off my spiritual sense all my discernment and I simply say I'm going to walk through this door because it's open it must have been you God presumption will prevent you from hearing God's voice here's a third one your history your history if you've got a, a history of trying to hear God's voice and getting it wrong and you always 
become insecure about that and think that you always get it wrong, you never leave any room for you to get it right. So when you actually hear God's voice and it's the right thing, you're so insecure that you got it wrong so many times. You're living your life from a position of failure. Now, in my history, I've got this wrong so many times. This is probably not right. You're actually just closing the door on being able to hear God's voice because whenever He does speak, you say, nah, it's probably not you, God. It's probably not you. Fear and doubt from your past can sometimes prevent you from stepping into your future. Fear and doubt from your past can sometimes prevent you from stepping into your future. You know, the opposite is true though. Trust and faith will put you in the zone. Trust and faith will put you in the zone. You ever go to the shops and as you're walking to the shops, you have the automatic doors and they're in front of you and they're closed. And how many of you would stop 10 feet out and say, closed door? Well, no one. Because you know that you have to get in the zone. And if I'm not in the zone, the doors aren't going to open. So what do I do? Well, I, I believe that if I keep walking and I get into that space, the doors are going to open. You know, when you get in front of the sensors, the doors that look so shut suddenly start to open. They start to open. Why? Because you keep walking. Faith and trust in God will put you in the zone. Listen to what the Bible says. This is Jesus speaking from Revelation. He says, I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power and yet you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. The person who keeps his word and doesn't deny the name of Jesus is a person who's trusting in God and they're a person who's faithful. You see, open doors are often an after effect. Open doors often happen after you apply the faith, after you apply the trust, and then suddenly they just begin to open for you. And what Paul says saying to the Galatians, he's saying, hey, will you suffer in vain? You're waiting for doors to open, but will you suffer in vain? The truth is, while we wait for doors to be open, you can and you will experience on some level suffering because you're hoping for a result and you're waiting and it's not coming fast enough. God, have you looked at the time? I need you now. What are you going to do? What are you going to do in that moment? Do you try to go ahead necessarily and author it yourself? Sometimes we suffer while we wait. And this is the only way you can make your waiting in vain. You ready? Listen, this is how you make your waiting in vain. You're waiting, you're believing in God, you're trusting Him. And at the last minute, you try to author something in your flesh because it was taking too long. And when you try to do it in your flesh, it doesn't come off. And that is what made your waiting vain. Because the whole time while you're waiting, you're leaning on the Spirit. You're waiting for Him to come through. You're just saying, God, I trust in You. And at the last minute, you say, no, nah, I need to do this myself. You, you, you've messed up the timing, God. Believe me. Believe me. He does not mess up the timing. See, this is the thing. When you're waiting for promises to come to pass, a promise divided by time, and if you add pressure, equals anxiety. It does. People become anxious about the future. But what will happen? I don't know. I'm not sure how this is going to end up. 
people get filled with anxiousness. And when you're filled with anxiousness, you will respond in a couple of ways. The first way is you want to curl up in a little ball and hope that the world goes away. Or, or you say, I have to take control of this. I have to do this myself. But both responses fail. The thing that you're supposed to do is actually wait upon God. If He authored it in the Spirit, then just keep waiting upon that. Make a decisions from faith, not fear, and trust in God while you're waiting. And the reason you need to do that is because you need to remember that God is faithful. What's begun in the Spirit will always end in your victory. What has begun in the Spirit will always end in your victory. But you got to leave it in His hands, don't you? Because if you try to do it yourself, you could end up getting in the way of the very thing that God is trying to do in your life. Let me read this last scripture to you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Because He cares for you. I wonder this morning what it could be that you are waiting on. What are you waiting on this morning? When I meet people, most Christians are waiting for God to do something because we all have needs in our life. Many of us have heard from God. Many of us question God. Most of us are waiting for something. I wonder what you're waiting on this morning. I wonder what it is in your life right now that you just wish God would open that door right now and you're waiting. What is it? If you're here this morning and you're, you know, your marriage isn't going well, is that what you're waiting for? Are you hoping that suddenly it will turn the corner and you've felt like you've heard a promise from God, but you're, you're hanging on? Is it your kids? You know, your you, you kids, they're, they're turning away from God and you're just hoping, you're, you're anxious over their life. You're saying, God, I've prayed for them. You told me that they would end up in this place, in this future. And yet I look how destructive the path is that they're on right now. Are you waiting for that? What door is it in your life that you are hoping would just open Right now, like, God, I need you. I need your help. I need your provision. I need to know that you're here. I need to know that you're going to fix this situation. I've heard you. But the truth is, God, I'm tired of waiting and I'm not sure how much longer I can do this. What are you waiting on this morning? What is it that's in your life that you say, God, just please resolve it right now? Or perhaps you want to curl up and just hope that the world will go away. But you know what? I have such good news for everyone whose ears are open to what I'm saying today. I've got good news for you. If He begun something in the Spirit, if He authored it in the Spirit, your victory is guaranteed. If He authored it, if He said it, if you're waiting on something that He said, I promise you, I promise you this morning, absolutely, that whatever it is, He's going to bring it to pass. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, 
www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.